Hey, good morning, Midtown Creve Hall. Uh, it's Dave from the Granny White uh, Chapel. I'm here by myself because uh, we have another beautiful day for Baseball Church. So we're going to record uh, the teaching for the morning so that folks who are not able to be there uh, will be able to catch that. Um, but hopefully a lot of people are about to head out to the ball field, uh, and maybe that's even you. So uh, I'm going to pray for us uh, here in a minute after I read this passage. But we started a a new series in Philippians uh, last week. And it's a book that is all uh, about having joy, uh, about rejoicing. Uh, that word is in there 16 different times in the book. It's all about, it's a, it's a very joyful, happy book. Uh, it's about having a deep and sturdy peace and hope in the midst of difficulty, not in spite of it. That's what this book's about. And Paul is teaching in this passage that we're gonna read here in a second, he's teaching and as well displaying a joy that is found and has its basis in Jesus and his gospel. It's a joy that, that is rooted in the gospel of Jesus Christ and that allows him, he's saying that allows me to be joyful and even productive or effective in the middle of a very personally tragic season because he's in the middle of a very hard time. And he's, he's saying that to them because he's in that season, but he also understands this church that he's writing to, the church at Philippi, they either are, are, are already or will be soon in a very similar situation. So this is Philippians 1, 12 through 18, and then 27 through 30, God's word. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The later do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. Verse 27. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ so that whether I come and see you or I am absent, I may hear that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind striving side by side for the faith of the gospel and not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction but of your salvation and that from God. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake, engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had, and now here I still have. Let me pray. Lord, uh, teach uh, us, Holy Spirit, what you want uh, us to receive uh, from this word uh, that you gave to Paul uh, to give to the church uh, and to give to us. Lord, apply it to our hearts. We pray in your name, amen. All right, uh, one point this morning. Um, 
And uh, I'm just going to give you a little bit of a, uh, a precursor, uh, kind of let you know where we're headed. That this morning, uh, th- this sermon is, is, a lot, is a lot like hard candy uh, versus cotton candy. Um, hard candy, uh, the sweetness of hard candy lasts, but you have to kind of absorb it slowly. So I realize that what we're about to talk about, it's going to take some time to absorb uh, it's not like cotton candy where there's a quick rush of yum uh, and then you have to feed again, right? This is hard candy, but here, here's our point uh, this morning. And there's a lot of things we could talk about out of this passage, but this was the one that I felt like the Lord said, talk about this. And it's this, what you know affects how you go, okay? What you know affects how you go. First thing, uh, Paul is acknowledging something right out the gate in this passage. And he says this, right? I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. Paul's acknowledging something. Something has happened to him, right? And he's also down there in verses 27 to 30 talking about the fact that something is gonna happen to them, that they're, they're not just gonna believe in the Lord, but they're gonna actually suffer for his sake. Something has happened to him and something is going to happen to them. And he's saying, by saying it's something that happened to him, it's not something that he wanted. <laughs> it's not something that he invited, but it is something that has happened to him. And what has happened to him? I mentioned this last week, that Paul's situation, it was dire, right? He's in Rome. He's imprisoned. He's literally at this point, he talks about chains in here. He's chained around the clock to a Praetorian guard, to the Imperial Guard, right? So these these high-level soldiers are trading off times around the clock to where he's literally, every time he goes to the bathroom, every time he's trying to sleep, every time he's trying to write, he's always got somebody right there with him all the time, right? No space chained around the clock to the Praetorian Guard. He's unable to continue his missionary journeys, right? So he's unable to actually fulfill the vocation, you know, that he feels called to, right? He's unable to actually go see those people that he loves so dearly, that he's invested so much in, right? He's chained to the Praetorian Guard. He's unable to do what he wants to do. This would have been a profoundly, personally painful experience Probably he felt himself and a lot of other people for him that he was absolutely cut down in his prime, right? Like, man, you just had things going. Things were going so well. And now this? And yet, in all of this, he's saying this. I I want you to know something. I've concluded something, and I want you to conclude this as well, that this circumstantial difficulty, and it was difficult, it was actually serving in God's economy to advance the gospel. And he goes on to talk about how he sees that happening, right? That many of the Praetorian Guard, kind of the, you know, the stud soldiers of Rome, which would have been a a part of of protecting and, and doing things for the you know, the most influential people in Rome, a part of this Praetorian Guard has actually become Christians as a result of Paul being in jail, right? 
In verse 14, he's saying, because of his imprisonment, some of the brothers are actually becoming confident in the Lord to the point to where they're boldly speaking the word without fear. So not only are Praetorian Guard coming to faith, some of the brothers are actually becoming bold and confident in their witness about the gospel. Even down in verses 15 to 17, he says the gospel is still advancing even with preachers who are preaching from bad motives. Right? There's all these impure motives going on. People are actually trying to hurt Paul and don't want his ministry to take off because they want their ministry to take off. And Paul's saying, that's cool. All that matters is that Christ is preached, right? Paul is saying something here. He's saying his suffering, it's not... It's not meaningless, right? It was meaningful. His imprisonment was meaningful. It wasn't pointless. It was purposeful. And he's saying, I'm getting a glimpse of it. See what God's doing in the Praetorian Guard. See what he's doing in the brothers. See what he's even doing through the, the, the false bad motive preachers, right? I'm getting a glimpse of it. And getting a glimpse of it doesn't make it not hard. It just makes what's hard not everything. Yeah, this is hard, but it's not everything. Look at what God's doing. The gospel is advancing in the midst of unlikely circumstances. Paul's saying to his brothers and sisters in the Philippians church, as a believer, if you are in Christ, there is no meaningless suffering. And I want you to know this. He's he's pleading with them, you have to know this, that what has happened has actually turned out and served to advance the gospel. Why does Paul want them to know that so badly? Why is he so uh, eager for them to grasp that? And why is this? Because when things are difficult, right, when things are going in a way different than you have planned or how you want them to go, at least for me, and I think Paul's saying this here, that it's easy for that pain and it's easy for that difficulty to begin to write the narrative about your life, to begin to write the narrative about who God is and about what he's up to or what he's not up to. Pain picks up the pen and starts to write the story and challenges us and invites us to question everything at times about what we believe about God, about ourselves, about the meaning of life, everything. That's what pain does. I was thinking about this the other day. I was trying to think of of an example, and I had a a memory of a time where Elliot Cherry and I were actually installing a dance floor for a woman uh, in in Creve Hall who had a dance company. And I was there working, and he had gone away, and he came back. And Elliot has diabetes, if you didn't know that. And his blood sugar had tanked. But I didn't know that. And he came in and, and I was working along and he walked up to me and he was just talking like total nonsense. Like none of his sentences made any sense. And he's just kind of talking to me like this and did this stuff and my kids. And he's like, finally he goes, what are we doing here? What are we doing? And I was like, we're installing this dance floor. He's like, but why are we even here? doing this and I'm like well because this lady needs our help and finally he set his hands on his knees he's like but what does it even matter anything what does anything even matter 
and finally I realized, oh my goodness, my, my friend, is his blood sugar is dropping. He's, he's in pain. And because of that, everything in his existence was being questioned at the time. I had to run into a little Chinese gas station where people didn't even speak English and stole candy. That's a whole other story in order to basically get his blood sugar back to normal. But that, that's what pain does, right? It's like a low sugar bonk to where all of a sudden I'm questioning everything. The very meaning of life, who God is, who I am. And Paul knows this and that's why he's saying you have to know. There is no meaningless suffering. And what has happened to me has actually turned out to serve to advance the gospel. Because what Paul knew, he knew it because he had experienced it so much through his own suffering. This wasn't the first time he had suffered. Through his own suffering and through God's faithfulness to him in his suffering, Paul knew what, what some commentators and pastors have referred to as the alchemy of God, right? Alchemy was a, was a medieval forerunner to chemistry. It was a, it was a practice where uh, through you know, a variety of different ways, people were trying to transform you know, worthless matter like lead into gold. You know, it was the, Paul understood something. He understood the alchemy of God, that God takes things that are very debased and seem very um, meaningless, right? At times like lead and actually transforms them into gold, into something good. That's how he can say in Romans, God is working good in all things for those who love him and who are called according to his purpose. Or what he said earlier in Philippians, he who began a good work in you, he who began a good work in you, even though it seems like that work is being interrupted, he who began a good work in you, he will bring that work to completion. And Paul, he believes in this alchemy of God, that God is working like this. But he also knows something and he understands this, and it's this, that the good work that God may want to do through you, right? Because God was doing a lot of good work through Paul's imprisonment. The Praetorian Guard was, was just one part of that, right? And, and the gospel fire that that sparked in Rome, that was just one part of it. But the, the good work that God may want to do through you is the good work that first he must do in you. He has to advance the gospel in your life before he will ever advance the gospel through your life. And the gospel has advanced in Paul. And so naturally, it's advancing through Paul, right? And how did the gospel advance in Paul? Suffering, difficulty. Like suffering and difficulty, they're still the undefeated champions in my own life and in the lives of other people that I know. Suffering and difficulty are the greatest twin, you know, victors in maturing people in Jesus Christ. Not Bible studies, not small groups, not church, not good sermons, not good programs, suffering and difficulty. When life doesn't go the way that you want it to go, it either drives you deeper into the gospel, deeper into Jesus, or it drives you away. which is where we see a lot of people even coming out of this season of COVID. It's one or the other. 
for Paul, it drove him, drove him deeper, deeper into Jesus. The gospel advanced in him before the gospel would ever advance through him. So yeah, Paul, he knew God is using this for other people's good. I see it in the Praetorian Guard. I see it in my brothers and sisters who are becoming fearless. I see it even in the bad mode of preachers, right? I see all this good happening, but he also knew something else. And this is key. It's, it's, it's this, it's not just that I'm in prison for their good. I'm not just in prison for them. I'm in prison for him. He says in verse 13, my imprisonment is for Christ. I am in chains for Christ. Why is that so important? He's saying, you have to know this. If the gospel's gonna advance in you, you have to understand this. What's he saying there is he's saying, I, I'm not in chains because of Rome. I'm not in chains because of Caesar. I'm not in chains because of some bad luck or some human authority. I'm in chains for Christ. What Paul knew is this, he has me here. Or he says it later in verse 16, I am put here for the defense of the gospel. I have been put here. I'm in chains for Christ. This circumstance, being put here, doesn't prevent me from my call. It's actually the environment for me to live out my identity. If the Praetorian Guard is who you want me to share the gospel with, then great. I'm not captive to them, they're captive to me. I may be imprisoned right now, but the gospel isn't chained right now. Why? Because I know who I am. Because I know who the Lord is. And as a result, because of what I know about me and what I know about him, that's the lens that I'm gonna interpret my suffering through. Not my suffering is the lens that I'm gonna interpret God and myself through. I told you it was hard candy. <laughs> Paul knew the alchemy of God. He knew that God was working for the good of other people in this, but he knew that ultimately he was in chains for, of, of Christ. He's, he's working good in me. He's advancing the gospel in me. I got this quote that I'm about to read from a good friend, uh, someone who has suffered greatly, uh, some very acute, tragic losses uh, in her life. And when interacting about this, um, she sent me this, it says this, it says, when huge pain comes into your life like a divorce or the loss of a precious family member or the dream of wholeness shattered, it is good to have a few things settled with God ahead of time. The reason for this is not because it makes grieving easy but because it gives focus and boundaries for the pain. Being confident in God does not make the pain less deep, but less broad. If some things are settled with God, there are boundaries around the field of pain. 
In fact, by being focused and bounded, the pain of loss may go deeper as a river with banks runs deeper than a floodplain. But with God in his firm and proper place, the pain not need spread out into the endless spaces of ultimate meaning. This is a great blessing. Though at the time, it may simply feel more, no more tender than a brick wall, but what a precious wall it is. Paul had some things settled. Paul knew some things. Paul was saying, I want you to know, brothers. I want you to know, sisters. Paul had things settled, which allowed the pain of his imprisonment. Yes, it was real. Yes, it was deep. Yes, it was hard, but it was not total. It was not everything. Paul, yes, was in a Roman prison, but there, there was something inside of that prison, a, a strong tower, like Proverbs says, the name of the Lord is, is a strong tower the righteous run into and are saved. He, he was inside of something else inside of that prison, which was the Lord. So for us, let's, let's talk about us for a second. Where is God working in a way that is unwelcomed or that is counterintuitive for you? Like if Paul's saying, I want you to know what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel in me and through me. What has happened to you? Like what's going on in your life that, that you're, you're tempted to think, man, God isn't at work here. God's, you know, he's left the building. And when you're in that place, do you wonder in that difficulty? Like do you wonder, Lord, because that's what Paul's doing. He's trying to get them to wonder and see, have eyes to see what the Lord's up to. Do you wonder in that difficulty or do you just writhe in that difficulty or resist or rail in that difficulty? Do you wonder or do you wander? Do you look for where he may be working or want to work in you and through you or because of what you have already decided about him or about yourself or about life or about what we're entitled to? Do you assume he's not working or do you assume things about his nature or his character, or his heart, or if he's even there. Do you wonder or do you wonder? Because Paul's wondering here. He has eyes to see, like, even in the difficulty, the Lord's up to something. And I know we could probably, and I'd encourage you to, to take that question and go home. We could probably individually, or as families, wrestle with that question on, in so many areas of our lives. I know for our family, the Burns, we have many areas like this where, where things are happening in ways where it's like, I, Lord, this is not what I want. This is not how I want it to be. And it's real easy in that pain to begin to question God and his goodness, his faithfulness. Our family has a lot of things that are indicative to our family that we're wrestling with that question. But I wanna ask as one as a community right now, is not having a home for Midtown Creve Hall 
is that actually serving to advance the gospel? Like in what way is having to meet on a baseball field outside or having to do all of this videoing uh, in this way, how is this forcing us as a community or as a leadership even within the community to wrestle with, is it possible, Lord, that, that this isn't just kind of like, ah, oh, we're stuck, but you've put us in this position because this is what you want to do to advance the gospel in us and through us. Like I know that there are many people because of the ball field who have visited Midtown Creek Hall. This is just one little example. Many people have visited the ball field who never donned the doors of Granberry because that's a safe, it's like a zero entry pool. It's like a safe entry into a little bit of a taste of what is this community about, right? How is us not having a home for Midtown Creek Hall how is that serving to advance the gospel? Would we wonder about that? Would we pray about that? Would we dare to live not just in the discontent of that? This isn't what we ultimately want, but say, Lord, how are you asking us to wrestle about where and who we are called to reach in this area because of this situation? If there's a joke, I don't know if you've ever heard the joke about Creve Hall, but some people call Creve Hall the Shire as in Lord of the Rings. You know what happens in the Shire? Nothing. It's safe, there's no adventure, there's no risk. It's just this little safe, homogenous community. Is it possible that God's saying, I actually am displacing you right now because I want you to grow as a community in getting outside of your comfort zone and wrestle with what does it mean to be a church in this area of the city, not just in the Shire? Would we wonder about that? Would we consider that? The last thing I'll say is this. How, how did Paul know what he knew? Is he saying, I want you to know this. I want you to know this. I want you to know that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. It's advanced the gospel in me and it's advanced the gospel through me. But how did he know it? How did he know what he knew? Not just the external evidence of all the Praetorian Guard stuff. I'll tell you this. How Paul knew what he knew is, is he knew the gospel. He knew that before he was unwillingly in chains for Christ, Christ willingly was in chains for him. Before he was unwillingly enchained and imprisoned, because he didn't choose that, right? The Lord chose that for him. Before he was unwillingly in chains for Christ, Christ willingly was in chains for him. Because that's the gospel. The gospel says that when I didn't deserve his love, when I didn't deserve his mercy, when I didn't deserve his grace, when I deserved punishment <laughs> for my sin, he gave it to me. He gave me his love, his mercy, and his grace. And he gave that at great cost to himself. He suffered right, that I might believe. He suffered because he loved. And that's why we as Christians, I know, again, hard candy. When I suffer, I can never truly say, God doesn't love me. God doesn't care about me. I can't say this suffering is meaningless. I can say I don't like it. I can say even I don't like the meaning of it or I may not agree with it, trust me, your flesh will never agree with suffering, right? 
But as Christians, we cannot say with any sort of intellectual integrity, my suffering is meaningless. And why? Is because Christ's suffering wasn't meaningless. Even when it appeared to those experiencing it in real time, the disciples who witnessed Christ's death, and probably in that moment, they felt like, man, what has just happened? This is the most meaningless, ignominious, fruitless thing. The guy that we had pushed all of our chips on, he's dead. And yet, three days later, was the triumph that they and no one else saw coming, right? We are the ones who believe that that's the story, that's the gospel. The ones who believe in resurrection, the ones who believe death to life. And so therefore, like this really seemingly hopeless situation Paul was in, when we're in the most hopeless situations that feel that way, we can't say, Ah, this is meaningless. We can say it's painful, yeah. We can say it's horrible, yes. We can even say it's unwanted, yes. Jesus said those things. This is painful. This is horrible. He even said, take this cup from me. But he never said it was meaningless because he knew something. He knew the story. He knew the alchemy of his father. He knew that there was joy set before him, which was us. And that's why he went to the cross. He understood that this suffering is gonna lead to their salvation. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, thank you for your word. Um, thank you for our brother Paul, uh, who with great courage uh, risked to push uh, into us through his own life experience. Uh, the truth um, that even in the midst of really, really difficult times, uh, that suffering is not meaningless. It's deeply meaningful, and you are using it, and you do use it to advance the gospel, first in us and then through us. Um, and Lord, uh, thank you that um, when we're, we're tempted to, to disbelieve that truth, all we have to do, like Paul did, is look to you and realize, Lord, uh, that you suffered infinitely more uh, willingly, uh, so that we uh, may be called your sons and daughters, and so that even in all the difficulty that we will and do face, uh, that those things do not have the final say, uh, because you have already had the final say. We love you. Uh, we trust you. Help us trust you more, even in the middle of these seasons uh, that are so hard. Um, Lord, may it drive us to you. May you advance your gospel more deeply in us um, and keep us um, from doing what is so natural for us to do in our flesh, which is just running away. Um, thank you uh, that even when we do, you run after us in your name. Amen.